Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi, Oddings. It's your Ate Sapphire. In today's episode, I'll be sharing stories about families, stories passed down from generation to generation. First, we'll hear a young girl's struggle to get her family's affection. Then we'll see why a family is afraid of the ocean, meet an encanto haunting a psychic family, and escape the curse of a mankukulam. I receive hundreds of amazing story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that I've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you want more from Something Scary, join our Patreon for extra perks. Check it out at patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? My family hates me. The following story is based on a submission from Desiree. I used to think my family hated me. Maybe hate is a strong word, but I definitely did not feel particularly well-liked. I was my parents' least favorite compared to my two younger sisters. They just never seemed to want to be around me or talk to me. They wouldn't even let me take care of our hamster, Lulu. I thought I was being paranoid, but my parents' cold demeanor became more apparent when we moved into a new house. They gave me the room at the very end of a hallway, secluded and removed from everything else. They claimed it was so I could have privacy but I think they just wanted me far away. That room gave me the creeps. I remember the first night there, I woke up and heard hushed voices echoing in the walls of my room. I couldn't make out everything they were saying, except for my name, the many times it came up. The next morning, I told my mom about the voices and that I thought the house might be haunted. You must have heard the pipes or something. She said dismissively, but I know what I heard. I also knew arguing with her wasn't going to go anywhere, so I decided to suck it up. I went to bed with such anxiety that night that I had an incredibly lucid and horrifying nightmare. I was strapped down to my bed, surrounded by dark figures who were chanting over and over, and I couldn't move or scream. I just laid there while these figures sprinkled me with unknown substances. The next morning at breakfast, I silently ate while my parents asked my sisters how school was going. 
Then Jamie, one of my sisters, turned to me. Are you still hearing things at night, sissy? She asked. I was actually a little startled by the sudden attention on me. Um, yeah, and uh, I actually had a pretty bad dream last night. Felt like there were people in my room or something. My sister then turned to look at my parents. I felt like they were telepathically talking about me right in front of me. Then Jamie spoke again. Mom, you should give her that stuff to make her sleep better. My mom nodded. I was still taken aback by this sudden interest in helping me sleep better. So before bed that night, I swallowed the pill that my mom gave me. As an extra precaution, I gathered as many religious items from around the house, crucifixes, paintings, as many as my hands could carry, and put them in my room. I thought they would protect me from whatever was haunting me during my sleep. The following morning, I woke up in a panic. Everything I had put up the night before was now on the ground, shattered in pieces. I knew my parents were not going to be happy, but I also felt like this was proof that there was something in my room. So I ran to tell my parents. There must have been an earthquake during the night, I guess, my mom said, but nothing else in the house was broken. Only the religious items in my room. It didn't add up. I spent that whole day crying in my room. Before bedtime, Jamie came in with her hands cupped in a ball. She hopped on my bed and opened her hands. Here, maybe Lulu will help you sleep tonight, she said. I glanced out the door and back at my sister. Is mom okay with that? She doesn't have to know. I thanked my sister and lay down to bed, snuggling Lulu in my hands. When I woke up the next morning, Lulu had moved. I felt around my pillows and blankets, but I couldn't find her. I realized it was an idiotic idea to fall asleep like that with a tiny animal. I figured she must have run out of my room under the door in the middle of the night, so I went looking for her. The rest of my family was already up and in the middle of breakfast. I couldn't let them know I had lost Lulu, so I decided to continue my search after I had a couple bites. But after swallowing one spoonful of cereal, I spit it out onto the table. I suddenly felt incredibly nauseous. I began dry heaving over the table until I coughed up a small clump of brown fur. My family immediately stood up and began praying the Lord's Prayer. I felt dizzy and blacked out. When I came to, I was strapped on my bed with my family standing around me sprinkling unknown substances all over me. What are you doing? Why do you hate me? I cried, frantically trying to release myself. The expressions of each of my family members turned to sadness. We don't hate you, Desiree, my dad said. We hate who you become at night. I don't understand. You've tried to kill each and every one of us in your sleep, my dad continued, multiple times. We're trying to help you, sissy, Jamie chimed in, but nothing seems to be working. I didn't know what to think. This whole time, I thought that I was being traumatized by a demon in my room, and I was the demon. My family didn't hate me. They're just afraid of me. And I think I am too. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. 
Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. And now, more Something Scary. Our next story comes from Jessica, whose family was forever changed after a trip to the beach. My family comes from South Africa, and my grandmother was part of a large family of 16, 14 children and their parents. They're colored Africans, which means they were discriminated by the white people as they lived during apartheid. Because of this, they weren't allowed to go to beaches where it was safe and protected by lifeguards, or go to a swimming pool or camp in known campgrounds. It was an awful time for them but it seemed to bring them closer together as a family, having to look out for each other constantly. One day, my great-grandmother, Annette, decided that it'd be a good idea to go camping near a beach that no white person used. She knew they'd be left alone there. She gathered all her 14 children, some of which had their own kids at the time. She even invited some family friends too, so there were many, many people at the camp. It all started out really fun. People were dancing, eating, drinking, and playing in the channel of water that led out to sea. My mother and some of her cousins waved to one of my grand's brothers who was driving a boat around looking for fish to eat that night. A few hours later, when everyone was starting to settle down to make dinner, they heard a splash in the ocean and a cry for help. My grandfather and some other uncles ran to the shore and looked out. My grandmother's sister, Welma, was splashing hard and trying to keep her head above water. My great-grandma Annette started screaming as she realized her daughter was caught in an underwater torrent. Thinking fast, my uncles, grandfather, and some family friends linked hands and formed a human chain, with grandpa at the end getting closer to Welma. They were able to grab her arm and pass her down each person until she safely got to shore. It would have been happy and relieving for great granny, but unfortunately, more cries for help rang out into the evening. She looked up and saw that all those who were linked in the chain were now also caught in the rip. They were now too far out for the rest of the family to reach and could only helplessly watch them drift further and further away. Luckily, just as my grandpa was about to drown, a passing fishing boat happened to hear him splashing and came to help, pulling him from the water. But there was no sight of the others. They searched all night, walking up and down the shore. It was only in the early hours of the morning when they found one of the men. He'd washed up on the shore, face down and turning blue. He was dead. My great-grandmother Annette never found the bodies of her sons. 
Soon after the incident, the family held a memorial for the brothers. Annette sat quietly out of the way, wondering if she'll ever know what happened to her babies. Next to her, there was a man, lying on the couch, drinking heavily. No one really paid him any attention. He suddenly sat up, a sober look on his face, and snapped his head towards Annette. The room seemed to grow darker, and noise became flushed out. He then started speaking in Zulu, her husband's native tribe's language. I know where your sons are, he said in his strange voice. Annette's eyes lit up. Where? Where's my babies? Are they alive? The man smirked, almost mockingly. The spirits say they're in a cave, under the water. A fish is eating the brains of one of them, out of a scar on his head. Her eyes went wide when she heard this. One of her children had brain surgery a while ago, which left a scar on his head. The man continued, Don't bother trying to look for them. You will never find your children. The man then fell back on the couch and passed out. Annette looked around to see if anyone else noticed, but no one seemed to hear what the man said. Annette asked who the man was, and her friend told her that he was the town drunk who used to read fortunes. They tossed the drunk out, who seemingly had no idea of what he had just said. But Annette knew, and she remembered it forever. Years later, along came me and my brother. From as long as we can remember, we never liked going far out into the ocean. Knee deep and that's it. There's no reason we should be afraid. Nothing traumatic ever happened to us regarding the sea. But my brother has a theory. He thinks that we're the reincarnations of our great uncles who were lost that night at the beach. I wonder, perhaps he's right. I've had a fear of water from since I was born. And I've heard that our irrational fears can be explained by how we died in a past life. So one day I asked my great-grandmother where the scar on my great-uncle's head was. She parted my hair a bit at the top and touched the spot. Right there. Huh. Curious. She paused and continued to stare at my head. What's wrong? I asked. You have a birthmark right where his scar was. Ever since then, she looked at me and my brother much differently. I think that she actually believed that we could very well be the reincarnations of her boys. And it's great that she was able to find peace in that way, but that didn't change the fact that I was still terrified of the water or that I would dream about the moment my great uncle died every single night. Thank you so much, Jessica, for sharing that story with us. Um, I, too, have a very deep fear of the ocean. Um, my parents actually didn't put me and my sister in swimming lessons until we were like nine or ten years old. And, and at that age, I already understood that I could die very easily and... I, yeah, I've been meaning to try and do past life regression to see if, you know, maybe like in a past life I drowned or something that would explain my irrational fear. But 
I would like to get over it so that I can enjoy water activities, but maybe not in this lifetime. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This next story is about Anastasia, a young psychic medium. I discovered I was gifted with the ability of a psychic medium at 18. The difference between a psychic and a medium is the way they communicate with the spirits. Psychics can only obtain information, but mediums can directly communicate with the spirits through memories and senses. Ever since I was little, I knew I was different. Everyone knew. My mother's family consisted of spiritual people. An uncle who practiced kundalini psychosis, a clairvoyant, fortune teller, and equally very experienced experts. But I was the only psychic medium in the family. Because of this, some of my experiences are unfamiliar to the others. People often approach me in hopes of contacting their loved ones to seek answers or to reunite for one last time. And most of the time, contacts with the spirits are successful. One of my scary experiences was an imaginary friend from my childhood. Like all other children, I had an imaginary friend. Of course, that was until I grew up, I realized they never went away. There was one particular friend of mine that was very apart from the others. While I was at my dad's house, I met the spirit of a man. Though now I realize he never looked like a man. He was red, and his face was pointy in all directions with red, pointy teeth. Although he looked scary, me, being a friendly person, befriended him. Shortly after, he asked to come with me to my mom's, and I agreed. As soon as I gave him permission to enter our house, he vanished into thin air. I was 12, and that was the last time I saw him. Then, when I was 14, I discovered I could see elemental beings, spirits of fire, spirits of nature, that kind of stuff. I encountered a white spirit that claimed to be my guardian. His name was Athe, an ancient entity that told me I was in danger. I didn't know what, but we became so close throughout the years that he was the only spirit I ever really talked to or connected to. He even jokingly told me he'd marry me. I thought it was funny at the time, but that wasn't the case. The trouble began when my family invited a paranormal expert, Chandler, to mentor me regarding my abilities. In order to begin, Chandler needed to cleanse me of negative energy. He rubbed an egg on all parts of my body, all the chakras as they hold your life chi. It was then when I discovered all my chakras were open. You would think that's a good thing, but no, it wasn't. 
It is said that if all your chakras are open, you could attain astral projection. An astral projection is an out-of-body experience wherein your soul can travel anywhere while your body still lives. But that wasn't the problem. I didn't do anything to open the rest of my chakras. My mentor gave me a dangerous, calm look, a look that told me I was in trouble. Have you done anything to open all these chakras? He asked. I shook my head. If so, then there's something that wants to take your soul, he continued. I shuddered. I never really expected that all these times. My soul could be taken that easily if not careful. He continued to remove me of my negative energy until he stopped and sensed something. Something I didn't sense. Last question, he said. Do you have any imaginary friends? I was startled. I mean, it had been almost seven years since I last talked to my imaginary friends. And until recently, I learned to ignore them so much that I didn't see them anymore. Yes, I answered. Can you call them? He asked. So I did. That was when I found Athey behind Chandler, almost red with anger. I was surprised. He was always so calm. Why are you so angry? I asked Athey. He didn't respond. Chandler suddenly stood up and gave Athey a knowing look. I know what you are. Why don't you show your true form to the lady? I was confused. True form? What? It was then he began to morph so big that I suddenly knew I had done something bad. This thing wasn't ancient. This thing was the same thing I invited in my home seven years ago. It was the red spirit that befriended me so long ago. I was so shocked that I couldn't move. He had huge spiral horns and dark ragged skin. He resembled an angry bull in a man's body. And that's when I realized what it was. It was an Encanto. A Filipino mythical creature that could shape-shift into any form to cause mischief or destruction on people they encounter. I was horrified. This Encanto disguised himself to befriend you so that he could take you to his world and make you his bride, Chandler said. I couldn't say anything. I was so distraught that I fainted right then and there. When I woke up, I found my mom and my Aunt Melody in the living room. What happened? I asked. Mom and Melody looked at one another. Well, Chandler and the Thing have made a deal. You're safe now, Mom said. I stood up and looked at her. What deal? Let's just say he stays as an imaginary friend. He won't bother you again. To this day, I never knew what went down when I fainted, nor have I seen Chandler again. But something tells me it didn't go down as smoothly as I thought. I can't find any trace of Chandler anymore, and my parents avoid the question whenever I bring it up. All they respond with is, he knew the risks before going into this. I'm afraid Chandler did something to save me, 
and quell the Encanto. Whatever he did, it worked. I haven't seen Athey ever since. But I hope Chandler didn't risk his life just to save me. Thank you, Anastasia, for sharing that with us. I actually have animated an episode about an Encanto um, that a family friend of mine had encountered when she was younger. Um, The episode is called Imaginary Friends, if you want to look it up on YouTube. Yeah, according to my family, Encantos are these spirits that don't show up for everyone. They only show up to people that they like and they will show up to you in a pleasant form. But then later on, that's when they turn into their true form and do what they want with you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And our final story comes from Kate. This is an experience her grandfather told her. Towards the end of World War II, when my grandfather was a young man, he served in the Filipino military. His job was to search for and retrieve sunken or abandoned warships so the opposing side couldn't get a hold of their technology or plans from anything left behind. On one of these voyages, him and his small crew realized that they were running low on food and water. They were planning on heading back when they spotted an island in the distance. They thought their luck changed and quickly headed for it in hopes of finding a market. However, instead of a market, there was only a single cottage on the entire island. This in itself wasn't particularly strange, since vacation islands were a thing back then, and people who just wanted to live in seclusion weren't uncommon. The only person living in the house, and the entire island, was an old woman who looked very frail and sunken. But as soon as she saw them, she smiled wide and greeted them. She gladly helped them and gave them plenty of food and water. After stocking their ship with enough, she even invited them to stay for dinner. They normally would have politely refused, but they'd been out in the water for so long, the thought of sitting down at a dinner table to have a meal seemed really pleasant, so they stayed. That was a mistake. The woman started to cook dinner. Because she looked so frail, the men offered to help her around the house and with the cooking— No, it's okay, she would politely decline each time. However, they were a bit puzzled. Although the old woman looked like someone well into her 90s, she moved with the agility of someone much younger. Not only was she able to walk without so much as a cane, but she was swift and fast around the house. After the meal, they thanked the woman and were about to leave when she stopped them and said, No, please stay. She quickly ran up the stairs with all of the crew following behind to see what she would do. They were a little creeped out about the fact that she was preparing beds for them. The beds were unusual, to say the least. 
They were clearly just sheets and pillows on old racks of wood. One of the men lifted up the covers to inspect the bed. Tied into the wood were leather straps on each corner. Even below the pillow was another strap, which seemed to be placed to hold someone's head down. The man showed his fellow soldiers, and they all shuddered. It seemed that these were old torture devices, refitted into beds. They turned to inspect the woman and found her lighting sets of candles and placing them all around each bed. She smiled and said, For the night, in case you need it. But the incense from the candles smelled awful, coppery, like old blood. The whole scene wouldn't be complete without the bizarre taxidermy animals hanging from the low ceiling. Bunches of animal pelts hung by each bed, and some walls were decorated with animal skulls. The old woman noticed their fear of the decorations, and she laughed it off. My husband was a hunter in the old days. This was where he kept his prizes. The men didn't buy it. By now, they were convinced that there was something off about this woman. After a few minutes, the woman had retired to her own bedroom. The men silently decided to leave quietly without informing her. They knew that it was rude, but they'd rather be rude than have their bodies hang in that room in the near future. They crept out of the house, and when they got to the beach, the woman realized what happened. They heard footsteps in the distance and turned around to see the old woman sprinting at them at almost an inhuman speed. This only encouraged the crew to run as fast as they could to their ship. She almost managed to grab one crewman, but suddenly she stopped. There was no warning or explanation, but she stopped just before her feet would touch the water. Wait, please. I need you, she cried as the men swam for their ship. My grandfather looked back at the island, only to see the trees behind him rotting. The sand turned to stone and the waves crashed down upon the island. Suddenly, the old woman's house caught on fire. The woman screamed in fear or anger. He couldn't tell. She didn't even turn around to look at her house. She just stared daggers towards the fleeing soldiers. She began muttering foreign phrases and screaming towards the sky. My grandfather watched in horror as the island began to rot, followed by the woman. She transformed into a heaping mass of flesh and bone, pointing towards the water. Soon, a massive wave came barreling towards the men. They all held their breath and ducked under the water, escaping it. Eventually, they managed to reach their ship and set sail immediately. They turned back towards the island again, but it was back to normal. No fire, no rotting trees, and no woman. It looked just like it did when they arrived. And just like that, the storm passed, and they were on their way. Many years later, my grandfather reflected on this incident and still wasn't completely sure what happened, but he had a theory. He later found out that that area of the Philippines was rumored to be filled with people who practiced dark magic. He came to the conclusion that the woman was most likely in Mankukulam, 
a witch. He guessed that the woman had been cursed by another and couldn't leave the island. But what disturbed him the most was that some curses can't be broken. They can only be passed from person to person. Then he remembered the woman's last words to them. Wait, please, I need you. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com slash snarled. And if you'd like to join our Patreon, visit patreon.com slash snarled. Until next time, sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.